You said the big story of the actual sports world last night was a golf match. That was the actual like big live event last night. I guess uh, it was. Uh, there were a couple things, but yeah, we we were just talking in the break because I had forgotten it was even on. I just happened to turn on the TV and uh, my uh, user interface on YouTube TV. You know, they make recommendations yeah. and they put the match up. Otherwise, I wouldn't have even known. Um, so no, I saw the graphic right before I went to bed of the winner. I saw that Rory McIlroy won. I have no clue who Rory McIlroy faced. Like, I, what was the match last night? It was they were doing uh, some women in it. So I know he oh, played Max Homa, women and they, golfers, Lexi Thompson and Rose Zhang, kind of the two big names in uh, the LPGA. And Max Homa, yeah, those are the four people in it. Yep. Mm-hmm. 2v2. Is Max Homa, I know he's famous in terms of, like, he's good at Twitter and has a personality and goes on Barstool and, and does all this, but, like, is he actually, like, a top golfer? Yeah. I, I yeah. think I think of him as more like the, like, number 25 to 30, somewhere around there. Is that not right? Um, in terms of the best golfers in the world, is that not? No, I mean, he's, he's top 10 for sure right now. Top 10 in PGA or top 10 in the world? He's number 8 in the world right now. But that doesn't take live golfers into account, right? No. I mean, he's not the eighth best golfer in the world, then. Well, I, I need to stop trying to whitewash. He's top fifteen still. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's the number eight. He's number eight player in the world for a reason. Well, yeah, but that's because ten golfers better than him are at a different tour. I'm tired of you trying to erase them from the world. Well, maybe stay on the tour that counts for points. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm not arguing about his world ranking. I'm arguing about where he actually ranks in terms of best golfers in the world. No, I mean he's a he's a top fifteen machine. His he, last he, events, he's gone. Tied for 16th. Yeah. Missed a cutout in top Phoenix. Top 15 machine. I'm going to mention a tournament right off the win. bat where he didn't finish top 15. Top 7, as I, top as I 13. Call it top 15 machine. Tied for 5th. Very for first six. tournament, he's tied for 16th. He's in his won, last 20, he's missed like one cut. He's won like over. I'm not saying he's not consistent. Well, that makes you a top 15 golfer in the world. He's, he's not He's not as famous enough to be in a match, though. He's got a great personality. That's what they want in the match. They don't want... You know, Patrick Cantlay just yeah. snoozing it up here and being able to hit good shots. Put, like, every golfer can on on a nighttime yeah. match. Um, uh, Homa's won, like, just in the last couple of years, he's won, like, a half a dozen tournaments. Um, he led that the big money tournament last year uh, for three rounds. He kind of faltered there at the end. But, I mean, yeah, he's, he's a legitimately good golfer that's uh, in the mix all the time. No, no, I, I know his name. And, like, I know he's in the mix, but is Rory not thought of as, like, the best golfer in PGA? There there was an agenda on this. Rory's also on this big kick about, uh, I think some of the proceeds last night were going to uh, his goal to get more youth golfers out and understanding of the game, etc. That's likely why he was in it. I got to tell you, this thing, its star is fading a little bit in terms of its draw. That's yeah. You know, well, that's my point because they got Max Homa doing it. it. It's like LeBron James playing one-on-one with Julius Randle. I disagree. I, I mean, like you have to get the personalities in here. It, Homa's Patrick, the best personality in golf. It's Patrick right Mahomes now. against Kirk Cousins. No, 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 no. It's, Kirk Cousins came out of the Netflix show with no, personality galore. No, no. I would say it's it's more like Patrick Mahomes against Travis Kelsey. That type of personality. I mean, Homa's Homa's got it. I would argue that Rory McIlroy is the one that's been fading more than Max Homa. Yes, Max Homa is playing better golf recently than Rory McIlroy is. Yeah, Rory McIlroy just he gets his career propped up because of the first five or six years of his career. You guys are propping up golfers, both of you. Uh, both of you just PGA loyalists no. that are sitting here trying to pump up Max Homa as a top ten golfer in the world. He is. If you watch golf, He's John, you, were, you don't watch golf, John. I do watch golf enough to know that I never saw Max Homa win nothing big. That's wrong. What's the biggest tournament he's ever won? He won the Genesis. The Genesis. Yeah. The Genesis. That's, that's my one point. Of the, that's one of the biggest tournaments in the PGA season. And he's won what once? He's Name won. the second biggest tournament he's ever won. Let's see. Let's see Max Homa's career wins. Name the second biggest one. He's got. He's got a ton of. Wells Fargo, the Genesis, the Fortnite Championship. The Fortnite Championship. He's Fortnite. A, he's a gamer. That's a big one now. He's won that twice. Farmers twice. So it's a big one now, and he won it when it wasn't a big one. Next you're going to tell me the Puerto Rico Open. He win that one down there with uh, with Finau. 
Yeah, okay, so he's so great. I'm going to look for his second biggest win. Oh, well, I don't have one. He, he won the Genesis, though. 13 top 10s last year, 18 top 25s. Tell me his best results at majors while you're at Missed it. Missed four cuts. Tell, tell me his best results at majors while you're at it instead of naming all these tournaments that all have right, the field. All right, I'll go to his majors. You don't career. need to. I got the answer. He finished <laughs> top 10 once in the U.S. Open. Top 43 at the uh, Name me the last 40, major that Roy McIlroy's won. Tied for 43 at the Masters. Tied for 13 at the PGA. Tied for 47 at the U.S. Open. So don't don't come on here acting like I'm dumb for not thinking Max Home is some elite <laughs> golfer. Okay, you're skipping a couple. Tied for fi- He was tied for fifth in the BMW Championship. I'm not. I said majors, Bob. I'm, I don't Roy McIlroy hasn't won a major in a decade. Yeah. He's finished, he's finished better than top a ten. Decade. He's finished better than top ten. He's the best player in the world. Apparently, you should win a major in a decade. I, I didn't say Roy McIlroy is the best player. You said he's one of the best. I said, well, no. I said he's supposed to be the main guy at PGA is what I said. Don't start putting words in my mouth. Now, go ahead, Main Bob. guy at PGA should win a major in ten years. Finished top fifth in the BMW. Yeah, and uh, so in the in the in what you would consider beyond the majors, this is where all the elite players play. He was tied for fifth at the BMW, tied for sixth at the FedEx St. Jude. What years are these? Can you give Just me last years? year. So whenever half the field's gone to live, then he started getting top five? Let's not talk about the live guys. Let's talk, <laughs> five you know. guys going to live. Well, I'm just saying top five performances all of a sudden don't matter when, when 15 guys are gone that compete for top fives. That's my point. That's, that's all I'm saying. If you don't, if you don't, okay. If if John Rahm is not in live like he is now, you go back to last season. You've got Dustin Johnson who got out of shape and fat and didn't perform. You've got who else? Patrick Reed who won a Masters and hasn't done anything else except cheat. Don't forget Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka who almost. Don't forget Bryce DeChambeau. Hasn't done anything since yeah. he wants his major. Yeah, once he, you know. I, I mean, he's been better over the last five years than Max Homa. That is not true no, at no, all. No, not I, true I at agree. all. He, he not fell off a cliff, John. He Bro, fell off a he cliff. He was the biggest star in golf for a year. Because he, he hit it far. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Max Homa's That doesn't make him a better golfer Max just because he hits it far. Max Homa's a tweets better. No. You're not going to tell me Max Homa's done more for golf over the last five years than Bryson DeChambeau. Absolutely. No. He, won a, he won a major. What what major did he win? He won the U.S. Open. He won the U.S. Open. He won the U.S. Open. The COVID one. The COVID one. I don't think it was the COVID one, actually. It was the COVID one. He won the Wingfoot one. I was going to that. So the one in 2020, you're saying? Mm Mm-hmm. He was also was that. Was, Are you sure about that? Was he already started? Positive. He was. Uh, was he jacked up on that one where he like you know gained the 30, 40 pounds? Yeah, that Did was. Did he not win a U.S. Open as well? No, that's what he won the okay. U.S. Open. Okay, yeah, during sorry, COVID. Sorry sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we did say that. Yeah, he won like six strokes though, right? Asterisk COVID. <laughs> Why is it an asterisk? Everything in COVID was an asterisk. Well, also okay. Well, then fine. He also has a t- two top five finishes at the PGA. Top five. Oh, good. You said top five's irrelevant with Max Homa. Not in majors, I didn't. No, I didn't. If you guys are going to have a genuine discussion about this, then we need to ha- we need to stop because I need I'm you to watch more golf. I'm here presenting alternate facts that are real facts. They're not. It's not a fact that Bryson has three top five finishes in majors. Yeah, and but one one Max That's Homa is a much Max- better golfer than Bryson DeChambeau right now. Right much now. better. Okay, five five years. Much better. Yes. In what world? In what world the is he better world, over John. the last five years? Eight, what? Sam, John, three. name me a golf tournament that you've watched outside of the four majors. <laughs> name or me the, a golf tournament that you've watched outside okay. of the four majors. You've told okay. me multiple time, times time that out. all you watch is the majors. Time out. Time out, Sam. Let's sit here and let's think for a second critically. Okay. Why are they the majors? Four most important tournaments of the year, but there's a reason why there's more than four tournaments a year. To, to, to qualify for majors. That's why the other tournaments exist, to, to qualify for majors. And Agree or disagree? Yeah. Okay. So you're telling me, for example, let's make a comparison to, like, the playoffs. Okay. So you have a player that performs better in the playoffs and the Super Bowl in the NBA Finals. But, but plays terrible the in the other 60 so, tournaments so a year? What you're going to tell me is you think James Harden has – and he's not even James Harden, by the way, because he's got no <laughs> MVPs. But what you're going to sit here and tell me is James Harden, regular season savant, is better than Kawhi Leonard. Postseason killer. That's what you're going to tell me. So this official world golf ranking that I'm looking at, this includes live golfers and Homa's eighth. Well, they're just they're live like their points for live tournaments don't qualify for official world golf points. So like they're they're still in there. They're still in there, but they're just continuing to slide because nothing matters until like they don't get points until they go play a major. Yeah, but they can only play a major if they've qualified. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, Liv's like a men's softball league anyway, so. Four <laughs> four top ten finishes in majors for Bryson. Four top eight finishes in majors for Bryson. I understand he's hated. I get that. I understand he got hurt and he's not as good as he was. He's trying to lose the weight and he's, he's regretting the decision to bulk up. I understand all that. I keep up with golf enough, saying you're not gonna you're not gonna come out here and call me. I mean, I am a casual, but you're not gonna act like I don't know enough about it to have a conversation about it. Got a guy, James Harden. I'll take Lamar Jackson over Patrick Mahomes because the regular season. individual sport, individual sport. Still, I know, but the regular season and postseason stuff matters. That's like saying, well, well, this tennis player he dominates the Cincinnati Open. Yeah, he gets his ass kicked in Wimbledon, but hey, he won the Cincinnati Open. Well, the bottom line is, Homa is is a far more skilled golfer. He, it's not the only reason he's not in the the reason he wasn't that he was in that last night isn't because simply that he's great on Twitter or on social media. Is he engaging? Is he telegenic? All that stuff. Sure, he is. That's great. But he can golf, man. He's he's absolutely in the conversation all the time. Has he won a major? No. There's a lot of guys who haven't won a major that are great, great golfers. Mm. Who? Victor Hovland. Okay, Victor Hovland. Is that, know, how old is Max Homa? Is he? Is him and is him and Hovland the same age? Because I, in my mind, like, Homa's five years older. No, than Hovland. Hovland's had a long road. He's, he's probably like mid twenties. Yeah, he's what? I mean, there's so many guys. There's you don't even have to go to like Hovland right now. Like Ian Poulter's never won a major. That guy's been playing forever. Okay. Ricky Fowler hasn't won a major. Oh, okay. Like Tommy Fleetwood. Okay. Matt Kuchar never won okay. a major. Xander really. The more you guys talk and say these names, you're kind of proving my point. Ian these Poulter, are all great golfers. Compared to the rest of the world, sure. But no one's ever thought Ian Poulter is great on tour. He's never been considered one of the best golfers in the world. He was number. He got ranked number <laughs> yeah. five well, in mean, the world well, at his highest. At his highest. So for how long? What? I'm being, I'm Number like, five in the world is not a great golfer, John? No, but I'm saying like he's never been thought of as like an elite golfer. And what I'm saying elite. He's been on six Ryder Cups. Okay, How is that not elite? He's one of the best postseason performers ever if he's been on six Ryder okay, Cups. The Ryder Cup, a little bit different. That's like the Olympics. He's like Carmelo Anthony going, going to playing in the Olympics. You're, so you're just moving the goalposts on your no, argument I'm saying here, the Ryder Cup is on a major, Sam, because they don't do the it, Ryder it is, Cup every that year. That is a major in golf, absolutely. They do it every, that is like the fifth major. They don't do it every year. Yeah, they and don't. And, like, guys don't – it's not the same format. Would we agree on that? It's no, kind of, but the guys take it more serious than majors because of that. Okay, I they don't know. They want that legacy. I don't know if that's exactly true, that people take it more seriously. You think Tiger Woods was taking the Ryder Cup more seriously than the Masters? Is that oh, what you're going to here and Just tell me? as much, I bet. No. No. Yes. If you pulled, lose? If you pulled every golfer good. in the world, I bet outside of the four majors, the Ryder Cup is just as important as everything else. I thought the Genesis was. I thought the BMW was. Which one is These it? These are just bigger paychecks now. I'm so confused. I mean, the Ryder Cup is, is not the same as a major. I understand that it's fun. It's a party. I get that. I get that. But it's it's not the same thing. Has Colin Disagree. Morikawa won a major? Yes. Yeah. He won the PGA. He won it in California. I think. He's won two. Has Colin not won two? Just one, I think. You sure about that? I think just one. Again, Colin Morikawa, great golfer. He has one. Oh yeah, he went, he got the Open too in twenty twenty one. See, look at me, I'm the golf expert on the show. Oh yeah, I'm the golf expert on the show. Colin's only got one major. I only watch the majors, so I know exactly yeah, those who are the wins. Ones that matter. <laughs> They're called majors for a reason. They're not minors. I don't want to watch the minors. I don't. I don't go watch our friends up here in Kodak the Smokies. If I'm going to go to a baseball game, I'm going to go watch the Braves or the Reds. That's what I want to watch. The majors, not the minors. I love my good indie films, but if I'm going to go pay at the movies, sometimes I want to see the blockbusters. Sometimes I want to see the A-listers. Well, there you go. Max Homa is like Coda. No, he's not, because Coda won. He's Coda won, won, but Coda won Best Picture, Bob. Max Homa's never won Best Picture. <laughs> he's never come close. He's not even nominated. And you all oh, no, no, he's come close. He's he's been in, you know, he's had top ten, top five finishes. It's happened. Bob, I just, not last year. Don't you know? There's it's deeper than last year. Bob, I just told you the best he's ever finished is tied for tenth at the U.S. Open Championship. They didn't come close to winning that. Otherwise, he's forty seventh, thirteenth, and forty third in majors. I get he's a good Twitter personality. I understand. That's not. I'm telling you, it's there's more to it than that. 
That's great. That's great that he's good at that. That's great that he's good at it. Then why did no one watch the match? Well, there's probably more to it than that, but I don't want to offend no one in this room. But If it was two of the top golfers in the world, I think people would watch it. And we didn't even know what was happening. And you guys are golf guys. I think there's just been like six too many matches. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd like if the NBA did a two-on-two pickup thing like eight different times, I think I'd stop watching by the sixth one too. I don't think you would if it was LeBron and, and Giannis and Durant and Steph Curry. But, like, again, once they got to Julius Randle and Tyrese Halliburton and Trey Young, you'd probably quit watching at a certain point. But as long as, like, Luka was there. Maybe if your best guys in the world Embiid. just stopped going to live, we'd get some better some better matches. Well, I think the PJs bit the knee on that. Not to bring it back to that, but they're like, hey, we were wrong. We're going to, you know, pay you guys and – and we're trying to give you more money. We got we got a lot more money we can give you. I, I think Phil Mickelson ended up being kind of right about that. Is that not true? What's that again? Did Phil not end up kind of being right about everything he said about the PGA whenever he was like pushing live that they had so much more money that they could pay out and well, they, I mean, obviously they have much more money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that was the whole thing, right? He's like, hey, the PGA is kind of being crooks here, and like they're not really operating in good faith and. I'm oh, going to yeah. go to this rival league because there's more money to be made and we deserve our rights and we deserve to do all this. And PJ's like, no, we can't do that. And then, you know, five years later, he's like, okay, fine. Yeah, they have all the elevated events now right. and all that stuff. That's true. Yeah. Sorry for Max Homa fans that they're listening because I, I like the guy. He's solid. Julius Randle's a borderline all-NBA player. There's nothing wrong with that. That means he's borderline top 15 where Sam told me he's at. So, like, I don't know why we went from, you know, agreeing that he's – Borderline top 15 to trying to act like he's just the most famous guy in the world. I just don't know how we, how we got there. To say that he had a better five-year run than Bryson DeChambeau is, the, is one of the dumbest things you've ever said on the show, Sam. I don't think it's dumb. Bryson DeChambeau vanished for a couple of seasons. He's, he's been gone. Bryson got so bad on the PGA Tour, he had to go to live just to take his extra money and run. Exactly. Well, that's why I said the last five years. <laughs> It's the same as saying moving like, the goalposts again, man. No, it wasn't moving the goalposts because my, the last couple of years was the whole time five years, Bob. Nope, nope, nope. Let's talk about this. I know we got a caller, but let's talk about this very quickly. The last, let's take the last two to three years with DeChambeau versus Homa. Look at that. Go look at that, and let's see what we have. I, I'm telling you, DeChambeau fell off a cliff. Well, I don't disagree with that, but I think that well, I, when I say five years, I get to count my majors. Which is why I said five years. You sound like all these Indiana University basketball fans I grew up with that still talk about their national championships from like 30 freaking years ago. It's like, quit looking in the rearview mirror. We're looking ahead, baby. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not not going 35 years. I'm going five years. I'm going in recent memory. In golf, that's a lifetime. That's a wide field of talented players, man. And and that's fine. Again, if you tell me Max Holmes is better than Bryson DeChambeau right now, I don't disagree. We can agree on that. But for Sam to say he's had a better five-year run is just not true. He's more consistent in the last five years. If you want to count only majors as your only argument, then, yeah, we'll go ahead and say that. When I say more important, sure. again, majors more than minors. Bryson's finishes in his last, his last times uh, as a PGA member, tied for 14th, tied for 25th, miscut, 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 miscut. Tied for 56th at the U.S. Open, then tied for 8th. Am I crazy? Did he not finish top five in the PGA Championship just last year? Well, that was – yeah, this, this, is him, this is him – this is did his last PGA Tour top, finishes. Did he not just This have is a his P- last PGA Tour finishes. Did he – when's the last time he played the PGA This was PGA when he was Tour. playing there. This is what I'm so saying when he's playing ago. against the best so wait, players in on, the world. Hold on, hold on, time out. So Bob's saying I can't count the last five years, but you're going back to two or three years ago in his PGA event final standings? That's what you're telling me. Last because year, again, last year in the majors, miscut at the Masters, uh-huh. tied for fourth at the PGA, okay. tied for twentieth okay. at the Open, okay. at, or tied for twentieth at the U.S. Open, tied for sixtieth at okay. the Open. So you're telling me he had a top five finish in a major? One tied, Which yeah, one Max top Oma's five, a missed cut, and he did it last year, and the tied for sixtieth, but a top five finish. I guarantee you that Max Homa made more money than Bryson DeChambeau at the majors last year. I mean, he didn't make more money playing golf. At the majors, he did. The only, majors, more, the only, the only make, events that matter, he made, made more money. I bet he didn't make more money playing golf all year. I bet he at did. The, at the only events that matter, he did. Uh, he didn't have a better finish. Oh, he made more money then. He didn't have a better finish. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's grab Roberto. He wants to weigh in on the golf. Good morning, Roberto. I can't believe that I'm actually going to side with John, but here I am. What do you mean John's you can't right, believe? Y'all. 
John's got a good John, track record of being right. We don't a lot of the same things, but I, I, God love you. I think you're really, really right here. Thank you. Bryson DeChambeau in the last five years is still a better golfer than Max Homa. He has a major. Period. A major. Period, guys. Period. Max Homa has won six total golf tournaments in his professional career on the PGA at only four different courses. He dominates at two courses. And and God love him for that. He's he's a great golfer. Today, Max Homa is a better golfer than Bryson DeChambeau. The last five years, it's not even in question. It's it, it's a joke to even have the conversation. I feel Bryson like, DeChambeau is better. You know, Roberto, it's so it's so funny to say that because I feel like I've been being gaslit here. I feel like I'm living in a. I a think you are. Way. I feel like I feel like I'm being trolled here. What? Except I see the look on both Bob's and Sam's face, and they're fuming. They're mad. Well, no, I guys, I, I think the guys, conver- the conversation pivoted from. It never pivoted. Yes, it did. It's like why was he in the match last night? It's because it's not about what he. It was did because five he's a top ago. ten golfer in the world, and yeah. then he goes, "Oh, no, well, he's ranked yeah, number eight. I don't no, think he's not that a top either. fifteen player I think in the it's world. His mass media presence. His he's mass media presence doesn't count to a world to World Golf Point rankings. They don't count the live golfers in the world rankings, Sam. Calling He'd still top- be a top fifteen player if John Rahm, they- Cam Smith, and Bryson DeChambeau. There's five good players on live. There's well, not fifty. So do we agree that calling him number eight's a little disingenuous? Uh, that, there's not a big gap between eight and fifteen either. Okay. I don't disagree. I, I'm just—he's not top eight. I'm just Bryson DeChambeau. Every single tournament he's won as a professional has been at a different golf course. That—that that to me speaks more volumes than you got than your arguments having. So Homa can dominate at essentially two courses. He's four of his six wins are at two courses. Bryson DeChambeau has eight, and this is just PGA Tour. I'm not counting Live. I'm not counting Euro. I'm not counting any of that. Bryson DeChambeau has eight and eight different courses. He's a more adaptable golfer. Also, Bryson DeChambeau, who's older? Do you guys know? I would say they're pretty They're close. probably pretty similar. I think Bryson's like 30. I don't know Max's yeah. age. Yeah, Homa is almost 34. Homa's four years older and has less wins. The silence from Sam is deafening. I mean, he, uh, yeah, it took him longer here. to get to the tour, for sure. He went through. Because Bryson DeChambeau is a better there. golfer. Earlier in his career. Yeah. Period. Yeah, I'm not denying that one earlier in his career. You guys just love the grinders. There's nothing wrong with loving a grinder. Max Home is out making his little videos, his little kitschy things about people's swings and making fun of them. I think it's great. I think he's hilarious. I think he's really good for the game of golf. In the last five years, he is not a better golfer than Bryson DeChambeau. And I loathe Bryson DeChambeau. I'm I'm Team Brooksy. Also, um, I don't know how it shakes out. Now, but I think in the last 30 majors, or well, I would say the last 28, I think as many live golfers have won those majors as PGA, current PGA golfers. Sam, does that make you sick to hear? Well, I mean, yeah, that's clearly been live strategy is trying to poach like former major winners. And why can't they? Money. Money, yeah. And those guys still get to play in the majors because that's all that matters. Have a great day, guys. Appreciate you, Roberto. I don't think I needed the tag team help, but yeah. in wrestling we call it a, a hot tag. You bring in your opponent, he comes in and starts throwing bows, and man, he he dismantled you worse than I did, Sam. <laughs> it is true, you know the, the the point about Homa really only being able to win the Wells Fargo is a pretty a pretty telling stat. I, mean, I know he's got a couple other, but anyways, there, there's your golf segment for the year. <laughs> At least for the month. We'll, we'll see you in April for the Masters. Should we do a little Bryson versus Max Homa Masters bet? No. <laughs> I mean, we can do it for like the – I mean, I don't – I'll tell you. I'll, let's do it this. Uh, I'll, here's what I'll do, which I, I need to check to see how Bryce is playing this year. I don't even know if Liv is – I know he started, but I don't know if, if he's playing or not. But I'll do a, who finishes higher in all four majors, who has the highest finish. Okay. Not cumulatively, just the one. No, cumulative. No, the highest finish. Cumulative right? finish. Whoever finishes the highest. Cumulative finish. No, whoever finishes the highest. I don't want to do eight, that. All eight opportunities, whoever has the highest finish wins. Eight opportunities. What are you talking well, about? There's four, four majors. But two golfers, four times two is eight, so there's eight opportunities. 
I want I want total cumulative score. I want total cumulative score. It's eight. No, I don't want to do that. Okay. Because so, I understand that Homa's more consistent. Okay. And I don't know how it turned into a Homa Bryson argument. It was just I don't think Homa is is fitting the mold of what the match is supposed to be. That that was really my point. Either Who else would able, you put in there? Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, it started with like Tiger and Phil, like two heavyweights. Like, I know oh, that yeah. I know they're not at the top of their game, but I'm saying yeah. those are those are guys that are you know obviously decorated and, and the two best golfers of our generation. I mean, I, I, you still say that about Phil, right? The last 25 sure. years, he's still the second best sure. golfer. Maybe Brooks will be passing him in terms of that at some point. But then you know to go from that to okay, then you're going to bring in you know who else has been in it? Rory, Justin Thomas has been in it at times too, right? Those are guys that are, you know, top three golfers that have the major championships. I'm just saying to get to where we're at now where it's just, well, this guy's popular and it's consistent. Now he's playing Rory. It's just, well, I didn't even know it was happening. That was only my point. I didn't mean to make it a whole Max Homa dismantling. And <laughs> no, my point, th- and that, what, my, what my point was, was that, yeah, he's, again, great on social media. He's a funny guy, all this other stuff. I'm telling you, there's more to him than that. He's, you know. We follow golf, and he's yeah, he's 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 a good golfer. I just don't, I still don't agree with the let's rewind to the past four or five years because that's just not. If that's the case, I'd be following other pro athletes that you know aren't doing that much these days. And like LeBron, I don't know. It's been a while since he won a title. I'm just saying, like he's not as good as he once was. But I mean, we still we still care about people that win championships. Is my point. But that still matters more. I don't care about Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> fair I really enough. don't. Yeah. Um, could care less about Bryson DeChambeau. And I know a lot of people hate him. Yeah, I know a lot of people hate him. And I'm and and love that Roberto's a Kepka fan. Kepka's a hell of a golfer, but man, it's hard. It's hard to imagine being. I'm, I'm Team Brooks. <laughs> Team Brooksy, yeah, not even Team Brooks, yeah. Team Brooksy. But that's cool. You you do you. That's fine. Again, there's nothing wrong with being Julius Randall. That's all, you can make all NBA <laughs> doing that. There's our golf segment for the month. It's, it's so shout out to Dolly. We were talking some NFL with Ryan Clark and Peter King and T Higgins, and I do feel like it's noteworthy to say that the running backs that are all headed for free agency are officially all headed for free agency as. None of the teams are going to franchise tag the big boys. Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, they're not getting the franchise tagged for a second year in a row. Derrick Henry, officially a free agent as the Titans decide not to franchise tag him. I don't think there's any surprise to none of those three. I don't think the Titans ever considered franchise tagging Derrick Henry. But I don't think that necessarily closes the door on bringing Derrick Henry back. The Raiders said they're still interested in bringing Josh Jacobs back. I don't know if the Giants and Saquon are still flirting and wanting to get back together or whatever. But if I'm Saquon, I'm like I'm out of here unless it just unless they're just going to outbid everyone. I've read where the Giants are saying they want to. They definitely want to talk about it. But um, that means no. Yeah, that, that means we're going to give you a courtesy offer. Yeah, that way we can tell our fans we tried, but we're not going to make you a priority. And and I don't think the Giants should make him a priority. I think that offense needs more work. And I don't, I don't have a problem with paying running backs. Whenever everything else is taken care of, it's like having a nice car. It's okay to have a really nice car if you, if your house has a good foundation and everything's taken care of, or if you want to, if you want to build a nice pool, maybe maybe a pool is a better thing. Like if your house is in great shape and and it's nice, and the roof is in good standing, and the the foundation is good, and you've done a termite inspection, no termites, no molds, your yard's taken care of, maybe then you can put the pool in. That's what I think about with running backs. If your offensive line is good, your defense is solid, and, and your quarterback is at least passable, then you can pay a running back. Like, like, like the 49ers did. Like the Titans did a couple years ago with, with Derrick Henry. Quite frankly, like the Cowboys did when they drafted Ezekiel Elliott, because that was a year that they were just bad because they didn't have a quarterback. Romo got hurt. They finished top five. They drafted Zeke. He had a good career there. They were good there. I'm not in favor of doing it when it's like the Browns and Colts doing their whole Trent Richardson thing, (laughs) or when it's like the Jaguars who are just in the top five because they suck, and they're drafting Leonard Fournette. I'm not in favor of it then because 
you know, the foundation was, was crumbling there. There were termites in the basement. So when I look at free agency now, I don't think the Titans should pay a running back because they have other holes they need to fill. I don't think the Giants should pay Saquon Barkley. They have other holes they need to fill. Same for the Raiders. All three of those teams kind of suck. So I don't think any of those teams should invest in the running back position there. Maybe the Titans are a little bit different because Henry's a legend and like he's a fan favorite and he's kind of the only the he's the only fan favorite on offense. So like if you gave him like a a two year twelve million dollar deal, I don't think anybody would be too mad about it. But I like it when my teams are like the 49ers and like hey, everything else is good. We'll, we'll take Christian McCaffrey. So for free agents, like you know, if the Chiefs were like, hey, yeah, we want Saquon, we'll make it work. Or if the Ravens, who you know seem to have a pretty good foundation and everything, if they're like, hey, we need to finally get a running back here to take us over, over the hump, or the Bills, those make sense for me. What are your thoughts on Bob's Colts signing Jonathan Taylor last year? Then I, I thought it was a mistake. I don't know how Bob felt about it because there's a little bit there, like he was kind of the face of the franchise too, because the, they didn't really have any stars on offense and and they didn't have a quarterback, but like. I imagine the Colts immediately had buyer's remorse whenever he's not playing and Zach Moss looks just as good. And then, you know, Michael Pittman kind of became that star of that offense. And, you know, maybe Anthony Richardson's that guy moving forward. But, like, how did you feel about it, Bob? Did you want to pay Jonathan Taylor? Well, based on some of the gamesmanship he and his camp were using, I, I didn't want him around, you know. I'm, I, before that, before he kind of burnt those bridges and were, yeah. and were like, hey, I want out of here, hey, I'm hurt, blah, blah, blah. Because, yeah, it did get ugly there, and I'm kind of surprised the deal got worked out. But before all that happened, did you want to pay Jonathan Taylor to keep him around? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. But then once that happened where he started demanding a trade and Zach Moss was producing, I was like, let's move on, man. I was ready to move on. When he came back, I was – okay with it not happy about it didn't bum me out but i was just like okay whatever and now they're going to be in my opinion in another bit of a quandary because now they've got michael pittman to deal with as a free agent and they they can't let him walk i know they you would want to keep him but i i just don't know where they stand on you know money and everything else at this point yeah with with jonathan taylor it felt it felt a little bit like, like a mistake because I didn't feel like they were close to competing. Now I don't know if that's my bias in terms of just not liking the Colts, but also like they were drafting a, a quarterback in the top ten. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they they earned that top ten pick by not being very good. So in that position, I wouldn't want to pay a running back because by the time you're actually going to be good, he's not going to be in his prime anymore. Yeah. Whereas the Titans with Henry, they had a good thing going, and you know they squeezed a couple years out where they were somewhat contenders. I mean, they were the one seed and went to the AFC Championship and all those things. You could argue about whether or not they were actually going to win the Super Bowl or whatever, but like they were at least a good team. Yeah, he signed a three-year deal last year, so like that starts to then start to get into the, you know, kind of overlap between starting to have to pay Anthony Richardson. Yeah. If it was bit. only three years, that should be fine. Yeah, he'll, be, he'll get a year gap, yeah. Yeah, Richardson will be four years plus a fifth-year option, so they'll still have a cheap quarterback for at least – Four more years, so I don't have a problem with it there. It's just I don't think Anthony Rich is going to be ready to compete. I know I know the Colts made the playoffs this year, but you didn't think of them as a contender, or did they make the playoffs? I guess they lost. They, they had a playoff game in Week 18. Yeah, excuse it was like, me. It yeah. was like a play-in yeah. basically. Yeah. So they were close, but yeah. I don't think that was them actually being. They threw it to Jonathan Taylor's backup to lose to not go to the. Playoffs. No, no, they threw it to Zach Moss's backup. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They threw it to like the, the fourth string running back. He was two. He was three people's backups. I, I have to believe Steichen had some say in that, too. He's an offensive guy, and, you know, he, he might have been like, I need weapons, and, you know. Again, I'm, it might be a little short-sighted, honestly, but I'm sure that was some of the motivation, too. I don't know. I think it, I think it also just you need a star. Like, if you yeah. have a new coach yeah, that, that hasn't proven anything as a head coach, Michael Pittman hadn't really emerged. I mean, I know he'd shown some flashes, but he hadn't really emerged as a top 30 guy yet. You didn't have a quarterback that was a star. You thought maybe you're going to have to play Gardner Minshew at the beginning of the year. I know Richardson ended up getting the start, you know, day one. But, yeah, you just needed a face of the franchise, which is what I think happened with Saquon Barkley, too. Yeah. They made the huge investment drafting him top five, which they shouldn't have done because they weren't good when they drafted him. And then, yeah, they haven't had a quarterback, so, like, you have to have – they have no wide receivers either. So, it's like, hey, come watch Saquon Barkley play. But, all you know, both of those guys, Henry and Saquon, and, you know, we'll see it with Austin Eckler – 
I would imagine they're going to just be looking at getting the most money possible. I don't think they have the benefit of, of other positions. Other positions, you could say, hey, you know, I've, I've had a good career. I haven't won. I'm going to try to go to contender. I do think with running backs, they make so little money that they're going to try to squeeze out every dime possible, especially these guys who have, you know, had a crusade of trying to fix the running back position. And you think back to last offseason with their group chat and trying to get as much money as possible. I don't think they're going to take any discounts to try to go win. I think they're just going to go to the highest bidder, which means I think that none of these guys are going to be great next year. I was a little surprised when you talk about Eckler that it says that Harbaugh, probably just coach speak, but suggested the Chargers would love to have Eckler back. It's like he doesn't feel like a Harbaugh running back to me. I would, you know, the, the backup's Josh Kelly, who's more of a a runner, plotter, you know. But when I think of Jim Harbaugh running backs, I think of Frank Gore. Yeah, yeah, just a big bruiser. Yep, reliable. Four and a half yards of carry, but he's gonna get he's gonna do it for you and he's gonna have some big runs and he's gonna be just a, a bruiser. He's gonna make you feel it. Yeah, that's not what you think about with Austin Eckler. But you also don't want to alienate him just in case you do try to bring him back. You wanna make him feel important and that's you know, we just couldn't come to terms. We offered him a fair deal and he didn't take it, so we, we wish him well. I still have this vision of him with the Chiefs. He'd be potentially a problem. You know, just coming out of the backfield, catching little passes from Mahomes. No, for sure. And, like, you know, Henry in Baltimore, you know, and, and Josh Josh Jacobs doesn't really move the needle for me. I don't think of him in that same breath as these other three guys. I know he's got some good numbers, but maybe I'm wrong on Josh Jacobs. Maybe he is better than How mad will you be if Henry signs with Baltimore after not potentially being able to trade him for a, kind of a third, fourth rounder maybe this year? I'm going to be honest, Sam. Once I watched Steve McNair and Derek Mason and Samari Roll play for the Ravens, nothing could be as bad as that. Yeah, I love Derek Henry, but I'm older now. That would be my version of that. Yeah, it, it would suck. Now, nah, I mean, but again, like that would be more so like Derek Henry probably choosing to do it. Whereas with Steve McNair, we like just locked him out of the facility. We wouldn't let him even come like work out because like, hey, if you get hurt, we owe you money. So we're just, they locked the gate. They, they locked the door on him. They changed the key code and told Steve McNair to stay home. And then, yeah, then you went to a team that you really hated at the time. I still hate the Ravens, but it's not nearly as venomous. There's not nearly as much, was it virtual? How do you say that word? Vitriol. 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 Yeah. Virtual, what an idiot. But, yeah, like, it would it would hurt to see him in the AFC. I would like for him to go, like, the Cowboys. If I could pick that makes a team, sense. I think he actually might go to the Cowboys. Yeah, if I could, if I could pick a, a team for Derrick Henry to go to, it would be the Cowboys. Because they didn't bring back Tony Pollard. They're, mm-hmm. didn't, they're not franchise tagging him. He looks washed. Works out in Houston in the offseason. Yeah, you know, go there and, and no no state income tax. You can make a little bit more money. Jerry likes stars. It's almost in my mind that that is where he's going for some reason. I don't know why. but I hope so. Yeah. And I hope he does better than Eddie George did when he went to the Cowboys because I still rooted for Eddie on the Cowboys and he's stuck. But, yeah, like if I could pick one team, Derrick Henry go to the Cowboys. Yeah. 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 I'd take the Cowboys for him, too. The Ravens would hurt. Ravens would really hurt. But I'm a little numb to it. Like I said, I watched all three of my favorite Titans. Like, those are basically three of my five favorite Titans all go to Baltimore. I love Samari Roll. Maybe most more so because of Madden. I loved playing with him on Madden. And love Derek Mason. And, of course, love Steve McNair. He's my favorite football player ever. Is Samari Roll the one that went on to be a doctor after? No. Is that his brother? That was his yeah, brother. that was Myron. Myron. I don't know if it's his brother or not. It's the same last name, but I don't know if it's his brother. They, pretty sure they both went to Florida State. Or, they maybe, did. Okay, yeah. I was gonna it's got to be his brother. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he, he – One did. of them is a doctor, though, right? Yeah, Myron, okay. Myron played at Florida State and was good at Florida State, but he was like a token draft pick kind of in the NFL. And, Wasn't he like a Rhodes Scholar yeah, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, he was. Yeah. What Anyways. If, what, what if Henry went to the Chiefs? How would you feel about that? I would be surprised because, like I said, I do think he's going to try to just get money. Yeah. Because his running backs want money. It's their last chance to get a paycheck. And, you know, I'd be fine if he won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. I'd be happy for him. But, like, I'm not going to root for him with the Chiefs. I feel like he wants some legacy more than he wants money still right now. Like, he got kind of the big running back deal with us. See, that's the thing, though. It's the big running back deal. Yeah. It's not big NFL money. No, so, like, true, but... when you sign a $33 million contract, yeah, that's great. But, like, you're thinking, like, right now, if you're 30, it's my last big check I'm going to get. I'm going to try to squeeze every million dollars I can get. Is what, is what I th- think the running backs are going to do. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm just thinking of, like, what Le'Veon Bell did. 
Yeah. When he left Pittsburgh, he's like, hey, I'm going no. to the Jets. I'm going to take as much money as possible. I think the running backs is a whole will. To me, just Henry feels like he wants – he just seems like he really wants that Super Bowl ring. Like, that's kind of the last thing that he has to accomplish in his career. Yeah, maybe. And maybe he could kill two birds with one stone if the Cowboys offer him a decent contract. He can go there and, and have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Yes, Let's talk some Tennessee versus the NCAA with friend of fan run, Trey Wallace, outkick the coverage, Fox Sports. Trey, good morning. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How about y'all? Doing good. Are you still reeling from that NASCAR race this weekend? Yeah, that was fun. Oh, my goodness gracious. I thought uh, I thought the 23 car could maybe split up in there, but uh, no, that was, uh, man, that was one of the best darn NASCAR races. Long time, so good times. On Friday, you had federal court judge side with Tennessee in the NIL case that's going on right now. How big of yeah. a win for that was Tennessee? What's next in the process? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I think it's it's pretty darn massive um, for for both states, uh, Tennessee and Virginia, and including the whole NCAA, but but mainly you know some of the schools, you know Tennessee. You know, Memphis, if they want to go there, MTSU, then, you know, you have Virginia, Virginia Tech, and so on. I, and, and then now, you know, the biggest thing now is, is is states trying to figure out, you know, okay, do we have to just throw our names into a lawsuit to make sure that this actually includes us, or are we okay? And I, I think the majority of the opinions uh, out there right now from different collectives across the country is, is that they're good is that the NCAA is not going to be coming after them, um, you know, over the next, let's just say, two years as, as they try to figure this out. Um, Charlie Baker, you know, NCAA president, kind of freaked out, sent a memo out to, to different, you know, all member institutions yesterday, but pretty much saying, look, we're trying to figure out what the, the guidelines here and how to navigate this um, while this injunction is in place. And, you know, this is just, um, I think I think for two things. I think it's big for college athletics because these prospects now are going to be able to go out and to be able to, to negotiate right off the bat, you know, when it comes to how much they're going to make at a certain university. Um, and, and I think the other thing that maybe is a little bit bigger than this, you know, does this, does this back the NCAA off of Tennessee, the university itself? Um, because there was a... A lot, a lot of smoke uh, over the last three months, per se, probably about three months, per se, that that the NCAA was going to hand down Tennessee a notice of allegations, um, that it was going to come after them for everything that happened, you know, during the NICO recruitment, uh, some stuff that, that happened with, with Tony V. I've talked about it with you guys and, and Rod Clark kind of trying to bundle some things up and, and now, you know, the NCAA might might just say, okay, no, we're, we're not going to give them a notice of allegations, and, and you can go on your merry way. Um, but there's still a part of me, John, still a part of me thinks that the NCAA worked that hard for eight months. I'm trying to find stuff on the University of Tennessee that, that they're not just going to tuck and run, that they potentially might still throw out a notice of allegations and, and just see where it sticks to, to come into some of the smaller potential violations hey trey good morning bud hey bob Um, hey man um so staying on that note is kind of a next step with the ncaa there's part of me that thinks we've talked about this obviously not a death blow but it's you know it's got them on their heels a little bit they're gonna yeah you know there's talk of them appealing uh you know continuing to go to congress and ask you know what can happen just based from your perception of all of this you know by following it um is this something that the ncaa tries to keep the train moving does this slow them down to an extent where they really have to go back and regroup um and also the other thing i think about is uh i've said this on a, a couple of occasions uh, with all due respect to collegiate sports and amateurism and all these things, and we, we're big fans, but for Congress, there's feels like they got a few bigger things that they're that they're worrying about <laughs> these days in our country. I'm just wondering, you know, from your perspective, what you know, do you think that this is a setback to the extent that it just kind of a lot of it falls off the radar for a little bit, or is the NCAA just going to keep keep pushing? 
you know, and, and talking with a number of different athletic directors and administrators uh, over the last you know, three weeks while this case has kind of been going on and, and even, you know, talking to them after Friday, um, still kind of under the impression that they think the NCAA might try to push this thing forward uh, when it comes to the federal court system um, and, and maybe throw out the appeal. The problem is, is you know, this could be a two-year process, Bob. Um, you know, the the you know, I remember sitting in the courtroom and the and the judge, you know, Corker, sat there and asked both sides, "Hey, look, how long, how long would it take for you guys when it comes to discovery? Uh, when it comes to you guys?" You know, sitting down and, and doing depositions and, and having this ready for for potential trial or and whatnot, and, and both sides could not give an answer. And I think that's that's the problem here for the NCAA is that there's so many different cases going on right now, and there's so many different obstacles when it comes to this one in East Tennessee. It's where do you draw the line and say, okay, look, screw the case. Let's try to go back and figure out how we can navigate this through potential new rules uh, and, and talk with our member institutions and, and figure out a way. Because, I, I look, the NCAA enforcement staff is, is kind of dwindled down to, I'll just try to give an example, um, maybe an academic problem. Like maybe something, if something comes out of the Memphis case, you know, that the, the that they're investigating one player over right now. Or, or if something happens, you know, again, like North Carolina or something like that. Like, that's what you're looking at with the NCAA. They, they have no ability to punish any schools when it comes to name, image, and likeness. And let's be honest, a lot of the name, image, and likeness stuff is also bundled into recruiting violations. Now, can the NCAA you know, sit around and enforce, okay, bump violations and, you know, did they, you know, did they spend more on an official visit than they should have? Did they have more people? Sure. You know, they, they can do something along those lines. But when it comes to you know, hammering programs and, and keeping investigations open and, you know, even like Jake Rashada at Florida, you know, how long do you, how long do you kind of keep that one open knowing that the NIL rules that are in place now really just derail whatever you're trying to investigate Florida for. And there was a lot. Um, so a part of me, you know, in, in talking with folks, thinks that the NCAA just doesn't want to give up on this stuff after all the work that they put in. Um, but the other side just says, okay, you know, that, that they, they've got enough going on in trying to change these rules. And you saw that statement from the NCAA in relation to Friday's uh, judgment where they said, okay, we're going to get Congress involved. Man, look, I've spoken with enough people in Washington uh, and, and just being obvious on the fact you got an election coming up, uh, you got you got war going on across. Nobody, what I mean, nobody's worried about NIL and NCAA. And if they are putting out statements right now, and they are, are holding, you know, these oversight committees or people going and testifying, they're doing it a lot you know, for show. I think when it comes down to it, when it comes to Congress, I think, you know, potentially after the election, okay, maybe they can sit down and, and discuss how to go forward with the NCAA. But the problem right now is you, you kind of hate it. There, there's too much stuff going on for them to worry about, you know, college athletes getting paid. And, and I think that what we have seen so far has been kind of marketing tools by certain congressmen, congresswomen, when it comes to, oh, let me get in this NIL fight. You know, this this will help. This will show people that I should be reelected. You know, I'm, I'm here and looking out for the players and whatnot. So I think some of it is a farce. I do think down the road, I think, I think the NCAA is going to beg enough where, where Congress potentially gets involved. But you know, it just feels like we're all headed you know, towards a system where you're going to have to start paying these players at a university level. And, and if that's the case and you make them employees, it, we're in a different game because you could bring a lot of these collectives in-house. You could have universities handling this stuff uh, when it comes to you know, divvying out payments or how much somebody's worth. Um, and, and a lot of colleges, you know, they, they don't really feel like doing that because it just brings on a different aspect because 
you're pretty much you know, bring in a general manager. You know, I know college football programs have general managers, but you got to bring in a general manager to handle salary and, and 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 collective money and whatnot. Like, there's a lot that goes into it where you just put this off to the collectives, kind of let them run their thing, and um, hopefully it just doesn't go absolutely crazy, which I think we're about to see in the spring portal period, unfortunately. We're talking to Trey Wallace from OutKick. Trey, I'm going to use that as a dovetail to another question, and I want to yeah. get, get your interpretation on this. Is um, You were just talking about some of this about employees, you know, designating the athletes as employees. So uh, one of the one of the fallout pieces of all of this uh, in terms of the ruling was athletic department officials can now facilitate NIL deals. Now, probably behind the scenes, we know that they're always – uh, working in lockstep to some degree with the collectives, but does this change from your point of view? Does this change that relationship as far as can they just, I guess, operate more out in the open with the collectives at this point? And then what really, if that's the case, if the athletic department officials can facilitate these deals, then then the collective, is it just basically more of a, a fundraising arm at that point? I, I think that when it comes down to the universities itself and, and, and athletic departments handling this, I think that's what you could get to if these players are made classified as employees. I think right now, okay, if, you, if you're asking a question, can a collective sit there and, and share monetary figures with, you know, athletic departments? And so they're kind of already doing that pretty much. You know, behind the scenes, um, you know, they, 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 we'd be oblivious to not point out the obvious, which is, okay, these coaches, these athletic directors, these administrators, they kind of, they got a really good feel, uh, about how much a certain player is making per year. And you have to also throw in the fact that you have different companies out there that like to help handle this type of stuff. There's a company called Appliance. Open Doors is another one I think people have heard of uh, that kind of helps student-athletes when it comes to their taxes and, and their NIL deals that are thrown in. I think that overall, when we're looking at the relationship between a collective and a school, I, I do think it kind of, kind of becomes more open. I mean, you're not going to see – you're not going to see monetary figures thrown out there by the school or whatnot, but here's what I do think is going to happen – you're going to start seeing bidding wars uh, between different collectives and schools, uh, and that's a fine line between the school doing it and a collective doing it. But you're going to see a lot more in those terms. You're going to see, okay, some kid was offered 450000 Okay, well, let's just say Ohio State comes back. Okay, we're going to offer 550000 And it kind of gets into a bidding war. I think, I think that's where – you're going to see some of these lawyers, these agents and whatnot, try to use members of the media to their advantage to get stuff out there and, and, and to throw things when it comes to, okay, you know, this is what we have going on right now. You know, what, what, you know, at least put it out there to make it seem like we've got something going on between schools. And there's going to be bigger fights. I, I don't think we ever – I wrote about this. I don't think we ever get back to the point where – you got Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban, you know, just going at each other um, when it comes to NIL. I mean, that was just beautiful the way that that played out in 2022. But I do think uh, this thing ramps up even more because you have the ability now, a collective does, collective can go in there and sit down with a player before they even sign with a school. Let's say you got a player that, that is, I don't know, contemplating three different schools. You can go in there now with the student athlete, a prospect, or grad transfer, or portal player, whoever, and you can say, okay, we're offering you $500,000 over a two-year period, or we're offering you, you know, $600,000 over three years, and, you know, you have a way out of this. And at the same time, okay, 10 minutes later after that meeting's over, here comes LSU into the door, and they're going to sit down and have a conversation. You know, so I think that's where we're kind of going to. And I think the universities and in, in, in the athletic departments, first off, you you need to be made aware of this type of stuff because it affects your school. 
But it's going to be very interesting to me to see, Bob, coaches going to start talking about this. You know, who, who's going to start talking about it in these athletic departments? Like, that, that's the thing to me that I'm waiting on, okay? You're going to, you're going to hire a spokesperson just for, for NIL purposes if you potentially bring a lot of their stuff in-house. Like, there's a lot of different things that could happen, in my opinion, over the next year that I think changes the game up and, and maybe freaks spoke out just a little bit more than they are right now. Um, but at the end of the day, this is what it is. It's pay for play. I mean, it, it's not, it's not, you're doing the, the local commercial, you know, for, 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 you know, I don't know, an air conditioner company or whatnot. It's about, Hey, this is how much money we want to offer you to come here. And if you come here, you do have the opportunities to, to find local gigs and whatnot, because, Bob, as you know, and anybody else, there's only a certain percentage of players that actually get these national deals that are paying off big money. Trey Wallace, appreciate you for your time. Outkick.com. As busy of a man as you can be, you're a hard worker, Trey. I've always said that about you. You cover the sport very well. No one covers the SEC better. And I got to say, maybe my favorite thing about you, Trey, is that you are a college football writer that seems to still like college football. A lot of the media type <laughs> seem to not like college sports. No, no. I just want to sit there and uh, bitch and complain about it uh, for, for, for doing their job, which is amazing to me. So, no, it's, uh, man, it's, 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 a, it's a busy time, a fun time. We've got the combine this week, and we've got, uh, you know, spring meetings will be here before you know it. And, and tucked in between there, got some great college basketball this week. I know you guys uh, got your ears up. Looking forward to Auburn and, and Alabama this week. And, and in the meantime, Tony Vitello is still building a monster over there on the hills. So always fun. Glad I'm still living in the area and get to check out some great uh, college action. On the way out, last question. I need you to do your booking for nights one and nights two of, of WrestleMania. Do you think we're getting a tag team match night one? With the bloodline and Cody and Seth, or how do you want to see it go? So I think I think okay. So the way that they could go, they could double this thing up. Is I think you do Cody and Seth versus Roman and Brock night one. Come back night two. You got Seth versus McIntyre, and then you would have Cody versus Reigns, and you could set up some stipulation in the first first night where if that team loses. Pick a special guest referee. I think The Rock ends up being the special guest referee for Roman and Cody. He screws over Roman. Now we have that big feud heading to SummerSlam. That's kind of where I'm at right now. All can change, but that's where I'm going right now. We do see both of them on both nights. Well, see, I'm a Seth guy, as you know, and I'm just really confused as to what they're doing with him because why would it make sense for him to have a tag team match night one and then defend his title against someone else night two. What's the purpose of doing that? It seems like a bad strategy for keeping your belt, especially with a broken back. So I don't know. I don't know. It's so weird. I don't know how they're going to pull this off. You saw where Cody, you know, challenged the Rock. rock. Yeah, but you can't. You can't do that. This is not a Daniel Bryan situation. You know what I mean? And that wasn't one night. You know what I mean? So it's like okay. You're going to do that night one and just have Seth off to the side here? Or are you going to try to play things up? Because if you've got the Rock at WrestleMania, you've got to use them for both nights. You can't just use them for one night. you got to use them for both nights. Um, so that's where it gets interesting to me is, okay, we have an attack match here? Or, or, or are we going to have some kind of shamash happen and the Rock turns on Roman? one of these nights, and it starts setting up a long piece. I, I don't know. I, I am very intrigued to see where this thing goes over the next, I don't know, we've got four or five weeks ahead of us. So um, just just get the strap on Cody, and then make it Rock versus Roman. You can sell out wherever you want to do you know, SummerSlam at. Um, but, uh, but we'll see. That, they've got me sucked in. Like, I wasn't sucked into WWE for a while. I, turned, I kind of go went to an AEW type of guy. For a little bit, I really enjoyed that product. I'll be at yuck. Sting's P-U. final match this weekend. And don't yuck me. P-U. Don't yuck me. AEW's still got a good product. AEW's um, the Max Homa, uh, to go back to our one. You weren't listening. They're, they're the Max Homa okay. of the golf world. Okay, okay. But, but, but I will say, the best cinema that we have had in professional wrestling in the last 20 years has been the bloodline. I'm absolutely 
all in for this thing, and I'm very curious to see how this thing plays out. I'm really, I'm really hoping Roman keeps the title, but it's not going to happen. They're going to give it on, give it to Cody finally. Although I hope it Crazy. doesn't. I laughed so much last year when Roman beat him. Did you hear Bob how much more excited Trey was to talk about WrestleMania than he was the college, the the, the the lawsuits? Everyone's been calling him. Hey Trey, talk about Tennessee versus the NCAA. Talk about this. You know, he's given us just uh, the standard answers. I asked about WrestleMania. Those those eyes lit up. You could hear it. Speaks to Whoa. his um, speaks to his diversity because uh, and his versatility because. The dichotomy of talking about high-powered legal stuff, and now we're talking about wrestling. It all comes down to NASCAR, SEC football, and wrestling. Trey is a, su- a true Southern gentleman. Trey, appreciate your time. Talk to you later. I'm sure you got to run. See you, buddy. Thank Thanks, you, buddy. buddy. Appreciate Thanks, guys. Y'all. Yep. Bye. NASCAR, SEC, and wrestling. I know Trey Wallace. It's quite a show we've had today, right? We've uh, covered it all. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Um, I just want to say, you know, I let I let you do the booking. You're running the show. You're the you're you're the you're the producer here, and just two of your guests. They've lit up when I've asked them about WrestleMania. Rick Butler and Trey Wallace. We got completely different vibes from them. Tennessee, blah 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 blah. And then oh, wrestling, oh Roman Reigns, Cody, the Bloodline. They they light up. We just need a cornhole segment, and we're all set today. We've covered everything. And when you get when you can. Pack in 50,000 people across the country and, and, and cornhole, let me know. Okay? <laughs> they were just in Australia at 5 a.m. in the morning locally, not or U.S. time, and 50,000 people there. All right? All right? And people up all over the country watching it. Cornhole, get out of here. <laughs>